0: And Hebrews chapter number 8, Psalm 110, Hebrews chapter 8. We've been studying since August last, the names and titles of Jesus found throughout the Scripture. And this morning and tonight, and we might need a third session together, we're not sure. But we come today to the matter of Jesus Christ as the priest or, as the scripture calls him, the great high priest. The Bible says in Psalm 110 and verse number 1 The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. This is interpreted for us in the New Testament as God the Father speaking to God the Son and giving him the place of ministry and authority at the right hand of the throne of the majesty on high. Verse 2, The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. In the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads of many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. Now, this one who sits enthroned at the Father's right hand, this one who returned to the earth in power and majesty, This one who will subdue the enemies of righteousness and of truth. This one who will rule and reign forever and establish a kingdom of peace and righteousness. Right in the middle of this chapter about his power is a statement that he has been made a priest forever. And curiously, after the order of Melchizedek, a character in the Bible that shows up but three times. Once in Genesis, once here in this Prophecy and then once in the explanation of it all in the book of Hebrews. But the Lord Jesus Christ is certainly, according to the gospel record and the epistles, the fulfillment of this prophecy in Psalm 110. How is it that he is a priest? What does it mean that he is a priest? And what is this strange order of Melchizedek to which he belongs? All of that will be our subject this morning, and then tonight, Lord willing, we will look at Jesus' ministry as a priest, as touching the past, as it relates to the present, and then looking ahead to the future, because unlike all the other priests of all the other religions, he is a priest forever, and so his ministry spans past, present, and future, and we certainly thank the Lord for that. Father, bless your word to our hearts this morning. Help us to understand and to rejoice in what your word says about your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's go to Hebrews chapter number 8, and the rest of our time this morning will be in this book of Hebrews, Present Truth for the One Body. Hebrews chapter 8, and verse number 1. The Bible says, Now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. And it's really not fair because we haven't spoken of these things yet. We're going to go back and read them later this morning. But, but this is the summary of what we are about to uncover. This is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, and not man. So this is what the writer of Hebrews has been given from God for us up to this point in Hebrews chapter number 8. There is a tabernacle on earth, but there is a tabernacle in heaven which God built, not man. In the tabernacle on earth, there is a priest... And in the tabernacle of heaven, there is a priest. The priest upon earth ministers in that tabernacle for a certain reason and performs certain duties. And likewise, so does the one in heaven. The priest on earth is continually dying and being replaced. The priest who ministers in the tabernacle of heaven will never die again. "...will never be replaced. Therefore, he has an unchangeable priesthood." Now, verse number 3 says this, "...for every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law." "...who serve under the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern, showed thee in the mount." So, on earth, the reason the high priest is ordained is so he can bring gifts and sacrifices. That's what the third verse says. And it is necessary, therefore, that he have something to offer. Now, here's the weakness in the Levitical priesthood. The Levites are the tribe within the nation of Israel. uh, and, And from that tribe came Aaron and the sons of Aaron who minister as priests in the earthly tabernacle. Here's the problem. They stand ready to offer sacrifice to God, but they have no sacrifices to offer. So they wait for the Hebrew people to come on days of worship and at times of worship and bring bullocks or rams or turtle doves or meal or grain, and the people give an offering to the priest and the priest consecrates the offering and brings it to the Lord. Now, that's the best system that they had. It's the God-ordained method of worship. See, God said to Moses, when you come down off the mountain, you establish this order of worship. I won't accept any other. But those offerings are brought by man sinful fallen man, to another man, a sinful fallen man. And that sinful fallen man takes the offerings of sinful fallen man and presents them to God and says, Will this do? And for thousands and thousands of years of human history, the Lord said, it will stand as a temporary means of Withholding the judgment that is due. It will stand as a temporary show of sincere belief in my existence. But will it do? No, it won't. Because I've seen nothing brought to me by the hands of sinful man. I've received nothing offered to me by the hands of a sinful high priest that can take away the sins of the people. There is nothing here sufficient to satisfy the demands of my righteousness for all the laws that have been broken and all the crimes that have been committed. And nevertheless, there must be an offering and there must be a sacrifice. And so the Bible then says in verse number 6, But now he hath obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also is he the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Now, what is this new covenant that is established by this new order of high priest, and how is it said to be so superior to the old covenant? You may recall, Jesus sat in an upper room with those men that, that are called by some his apostles, by, uh, by others his disciples, and he said, Take, eat. This is the New Testament. Take, drink this cup. This is the New Testament in my blood. Now, the priest must have something to offer. And for all of those years, those priests would climb the steps to those altars and offer an animal sacrifice or a meal offering brought by sinful hands, laid upon the altar by sinful hands. And under that old covenant, no sacrifice was ever offered that could take away sins. But one day, the Lord Jesus Christ went to Mount Calvary and he said, I have something to offer that has never been touched by sin. I have something to offer that has never been tainted by sin. I will offer a body that has done always those things that please the Father. I will offer a body that has never taken a single misstep has never been been guilty of a single impure thought that has never violated one command of God. And I will shed what even Judas Iscariot had to acknowledge was the innocent blood. And when Jesus Christ offered His body and offered His blood upon the cross at Calvary, a new covenant Went into effect. A new testament went into effect whereby no further sacrifice was ever demanded or needed because by one sacrifice he had taken away the sin of the world forever. And so now our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, offers us access into the presence of God, which no prior high priest could offer because when he was finished offering those sacrifices, every son of Aaron, every Levitical priest looked and the veil still stood between God and man as living testament, as visual evidence, that the way into the holiest was not yet made because there had yet to be a sacrifice offered that could take away the sin that separated man from God. But your Bible says that when Jesus Christ hung upon that cross, having offered His body and shed His blood, when He cried, It is finished. That the veil in the temple was immediately rent in twain from the top to the bottom. God the Father reached into that holy of holies and set one hand and then another upon that great veil and rent it in twain and said, You may now enter into my presence. A sacrifice has been offered by a priest who was holy whose sacrifice was holy. And now we enter in by the blood of that covenant into the presence of God. Now that's the summation. Let's go back and read, starting in Hebrews chapter number 5. Hebrews chapter number 5. This is why religion with its priests and religion with its mediators and religion with its endless A system of hurdles that you must climb does not want you to read the pages of the New Testament because if you knew that you had access to God through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you would not need that religion. You would not need to pay its priests. You would not need to be in bondage to its hierarchy and its ordinances if Jesus paid it all. I don't need to buy your candles. If Jesus paid it all, I don't need to buy your prayers. If Jesus paid it all, I don't need to buy your ceremonies. The debt has been paid. The demands have been satisfied. I may enter into the presence of God through a new and living way. Person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 5 says this in verse number... Well, let's start at verse number 1. For every high priest... Taken from among men is ordained for man in the, in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity, and by reason hereof he ought as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. So, here's what we acknowledge about every priest who ever lived, including every high priest who ever lived, Despite his special garments, and despite his special title, and despite his special access, he is as infirmed as you are. He is in need of sacrifice just as much as the people whom he represents. And the proof of that is, he will eventually grow old and frail and die. Just like everyone else who is infected by sin. Also, verse number 3 says he doesn't just bring a sacrifice for everybody else. He has to bring a sacrifice for himself because he too is guilty before a holy God. Verse 4, and no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God as was Aaron. So nothing could be more unscriptural than a group of men establishing a religion and calling themselves priests who aren't Jews and don't descend from Aaron. God never ordained priests outside that line. Verse 5, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he said also in another place, Thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. Now, this is glorious in two regards. Not only do we read here that the Lord Jesus Christ has been ordained by God the Father to be a priest. Not only do we read that he's been ordained to be a priest outside the line of priests who themselves need an offering. Outside the line of priests who themselves are guilty of sin. But he reaches back into Psalm number 110 and says, And by the way, my son is the one who will be the conquering king to take over this planet and rule it with a rod of iron. Because when he says, he said also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. What does Psalm 110 say? That priest is the ruling monarch. For all time so that's that's Jesus Christ now verse 7 who in the day of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared though he were a son yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, what did he do? He offered himself as a sacrificial payment for the sins of the world. The priest and the sacrifice were one and the same. The priest and the offering were one and the same. Why? We're not... Letting man get his hands on this, because everything man puts his hands on becomes corrupted by man's very touch. So we're going to have a priest who is undefiled, offering a sacrifice that is undefiled to God the Father. And when God the Father beheld that sacrifice, he said, you know, that priest, that priest he will minister before me forever and the life that he gives to those that obey him will be forever. Now men run in and they stumble. They stumble because of their pride. Come on now. They stumble because of their arrogance. Look what we just read here. We read about Jesus Christ in verse 5 being glorified by God the Father. Jesus Christ in verse number 5 being God's begotten Son. Jesus Christ, in verse number 7, offering Himself up. Jesus Christ, in verse number 8, the perfectly obedient Son. Jesus Christ, in verse number 9, the author of eternal salvation. Jesus Christ, in verse 10, called of God and high priest. And out of all that, men in their pride say, oh yeah, and you got to obey Him. As though somehow, You were ready, willing, and able to add your imagined obedience to all you just read about Jesus Christ. Well, the truth of the matter is, if you will read everything that the Lord had written and recorded for us in the New Testament, you do receive eternal life by obeying Him in one regard. If you will stop trying to establish yourself as good enough to earn a place in heaven. And if you will repent and obey the gospel. Christ died for our sins. Was buried and the third day rose again. All of that in accord with the scripture. And the obedience that God requires can only be obedience to the gospel. It can't be obedience to the law. That's why Christ is being offered in the first place. Because we can't obey the law. So men rush in and they push right past everything that Jesus is doing in the passage and stumble over the words obey him which they don't even understand. Because there's not a person living who, in the honesty and integrity of their heart, would say, I obey God. Yeah, right. Come on now. Yeah. Right. Right. You obey Him as far as you're comfortable obeying yeah. Him. Yeah. Right. You obey Him as far as obedience doesn't alter your lifestyle yeah. any. I, right, right. We obey Him as, as far as, well, as far as we want to. Yeah. And then we challenge anybody to to show us that we're wrong. I love the Lord. Well, the Lord you say you love told you to love me as much as you love yourself. You can't even get past the second commandment. You can pretend you keep the first one because nobody really knows for sure. But you can't pretend you're keeping the second one. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind. Oh, I do that. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as (laughs) thyself. Say, so we got evidence on that one. So what about you? Well, I don't, I don't love you as much as I love myself, but I don't have to. I'm trusting Christ. I'm not earning salvation by my works. I gave up on that a long time ago. I'm going to trust the priest and the offering that he brought. Now, let's look in chapter number 6. Hebrews chapter 6. And we start at verse number Verse number 17. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability. That can't be changed, can't be altered. Anyway, of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. Let me ask you something. Well, I think I'm good enough. And if I said, have you ever told a lie? Some people actually tell a lie and say no. Okay, well then let me ask you something. Is it possible for you to lie? See, God is so holy. Jesus Christ is so pure. Not only has he not told a lie, it would be impossible for him to tell a lie. He couldn't lie. There's things I I, I try to do, and and I think I can do them. We had a youth activity here yesterday. And they played this game called Capture the Flag. There wasn't a flag, but we, it was it was really Capture the Rubber Ball. And you you'd see some people running towards you. And and my mind said, if you plant the left foot and cut sharply to the right, then plant the right foot and press forward, you can not only get past them, but you can race toward the goal. And I. For some reason, I thought that was going to happen, and between my brain saying to my left foot, plant, and the time whoever it was knocked me to the ground, there, there, nothing happened. Just laying on the ground. They had just they did this thing. They put blindfolds on. Had a race, and you had a teammate, and the teammate told you where to go, and. And you had to, you you couldn't see, and they're leading you. And my teammate was Joey. Joey Yoder. And I, I, Joey told me that after the canoe trip, when I pushed him in the water, that everything was okay. We were all, we were all good. And that kid ran me right into that tangerine tree back there. Right, right in the forehead. Bam. Said, all right, we're even. kid believes in law, not grace. Been waiting a long time to settle that score. Anyway, there are things I want to do, and I can't do them. There are things that I think I can do, and I can't do them. And if you reared back and gave it all you had, you couldn't do it. Not that he ever would, but if God could ever think up a whopper, he couldn't tell it. It's impossible for God to lie. That's how much you can trust Him. Isn't that wonderful? Alright, now, so this God who cannot lie, the Bible says, verse 18, We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil. Whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made in a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Okay, now watch this. Here's the earthly tabernacle. And there's the outer court, and then there's the holy place, and then there's the veil. And inside the veil is the Holy of Holies. The Ark of the Covenant is there, the mercy seat. And, and God would, one once a year, God would come down upon that mercy seat and allow the high priest to enter in. One day, once a year, one man could go in there, fellowship with God, and then... Before that day ended, he had to come back out. He couldn't stay there. And nobody else could go in there. Now, Jesus Christ, our great high priest, he comes to this earth, he offers the sacrifice, he pays for the sins of the whole world, then the veil of the temple is rent. He enters into not the holy of holies on earth, but the holy of holies in heaven, and says, give me your hand. Just give me your hand. Well, don't I have to obey you? Just give me your hand. Just flee to me. And what I will do, I will lay my hand upon you, just, and, and just like an anchor grips the rock, And keeps that ship from moving. I will sit here at the right hand of the Father. And I will hold you with my right hand. So that you can stay in the presence of God. Through storm after storm after storm. High tide and low tide. I'm here. Take hold. You know something? Long time ago I gave up on all this religion long time ago, I gave up on all this do good and be good and try good and and try harder. And I just fled to the great high priest. And he became my anchor, my chain, my ship, my dock, my harbor. He's, He's all of it. So there he sits at the right hand of the Father, a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Reaching out and taking hold upon all that will flee to him, so that in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have every hour of every day of your life, what the high priest had for a couple of hours once a year, and then had to leave. What an amazing thing. Bible says in chapter 11, same book, Hebrews 7 Hebrews 7, verse 11. And without all contradiction, the last is blessed of the better. I'm, I'm sorry, that's 7, verse 11. If therefore, okay, ready? 7, 11. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? Why do we need a new order of priests? Because the old one can't do the job. There are those who say that Hebrews teaches not church doctrine, but doctrine for people who will be living on the earth after the church is gone and, and Jesus is, is out of the picture, and now we're going back to the law. The only way you could say that is if you hadn't ever read the book of Hebrews, but you just read a book about Hebrews. What Hebrews just said is, there was nothing in that order of priests from Aaron, and there was nothing in their sacrifices that could do the job. Why would you go back to what didn't work? So Jesus came. After the order of Melchizedek, verse 12, For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who is made, not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. See that? I am not under the power of laws and commandments. I have received the power of everlasting life through this new priest. And, verse number 17, For he testifieth, Thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. For there is verily a disannulling, doing away with, The commandment going before, for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof, for the law made nothing perfect, (coughs) but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. Whoever Hebrews is written to, they don't get to God by the law. They get to God by Jesus Christ. And inasmuch as not without an oath he was made priest, for those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests, Because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. (laughs) That just kept getting in the way. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. How about that? Aaron's a priest, and then his son is a priest, and then his grandson is a priest, and then his great-grandson is a priest, and you can wish Aaron was still around all you want, but he died. And you can wish your favorite priest, who was the priest when you were a boy, was still around. But he died and they just kept dying. And then Jesus came. And he rose from the dead and ascend to the right hand of the Father. And He sat down there, and He's alive. He was alive in 35 A.D. He was alive in 100 A.D. He was alive in 900. He was alive in 1750. He was alive yesterday. He'll be alive tomorrow. He'll be alive forever. There's never been a need for a priest to replace Jesus Christ. He doesn't die. Now... What kind of life am I going to get by offering a ram upon a Hebrew altar at Jerusalem and the ram doesn't come back to life? None. What kind of life am I going to get when the priest chops up the bullock and throws the fat on the fire and throws the shoulder over here and waves this and then takes the rest home and eats it for supper? That bullock's dead. He's not coming back. So what did I do? I acknowledged God. I acknowledged my faith in God. I testified to my obedience to God, but I didn't get life from something dead. Why, the priest himself is dying. But this man, this new priest, this new order, He rose from the dead and said, Behold, I am he that liveth and was dead, and I am alive forevermore. And so the Bible says in Hebrews 7, verse 24, But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. How about that? Our sacrifice is still alive. Our priest is still alive. So that what God found acceptable at Calvary, what God approved on resurrection morning, is still in operation. We don't keep coming for a perpetual sacrifice. We don't crucify Him again every Sunday morning. We don't, we don't torture ourselves and mutilate ourselves to pay for our sins. The payment has been made. And the one who made the payment lives, and the payment that He made lives. And so what can He give to us? Power of an endless life. Eternal everlasting life through an eternal sacrifice, an eternal high priest, an unchanging high priestly ministry. Hallelujah. The Bible says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost. What about obedience? Here it is. That come unto God by him. That's the obedience required. You've got to stop trying to come unto God by some other means and come unto God by Him. you got to stop trying to come unto God by your religion and your works and your your self-interest and your self-love. And I did good and I didn't do bad. You've got to come by Him. If you'll obey that, He'll give you eternal life. If you don't obey that, you're lost. You're as lost as an atheist. You're as lost as a devil worshiper. I am the way, the truth, and the life, said Jesus Christ, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. But him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise. But what about the next day? I will in no wise. What about a year later? I will in no wise. What if I mess up? I will in no wise cast out. See, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a sincere, sincere Jewish man living in the days of Isaiah. And Isaiah's preaching got me under conviction. And I've not, I've not been to the temple in years. i got lots of, lots of cattle. I'm a rich cattle owner. But if I ever do offer a sacrifice, it's one of those Malachi rebuked. I bring God a crooked, broken cow that I'm not going to reproduce anyway. I don't want it. God can have it. I'm just going to burn it up on the fire anyway. But I got under conviction. And you know something? I prayed, I got my heart right with God. I went and found the best bullock I had in my in my herds, and I brought that thing down there to that temple, and I gave it to that priest, and I stood there with tears running down my face and watched that thing being offered, and, they, and, and I didn't leave, I stayed, and I watched that thing burn, and I thought that that's that's my sacrifice, that's being God, God God's going to see that. And I got finished. I went and had a meal. I spent the night. I started home the next day. I got halfway home, and I lost my temper with my wife. By the time I was two-thirds the way home, I was thinking about some gal that I knew in town, that maybe I'd hook up with her. And by the time I got home that night, I realized that sacrifice hadn't outlasted the trip. Now what am I going to do? I burned up the best ox I had. And I'm as guilty tonight as I was before I, before I did any of that. What am I going to do? Well, he'd he go back, nothing left but ashes of that, of that bullock. What are you going to do? And that man realizes, if I brought every single piece of livestock I had and burned it one after another, it couldn't clear my conscience. And if I asked that priest, well am I right now? Am I right now?" he'd say, "What do you mean you're right now? We got another We got another offering tomorrow at sunset. What do you mean am I right now? you What, what are you going to do about all those tabernacle feasts you skipped? Why you owe God about twenty years of back Sabbaths you haven't kept. How are you going to pay for that? You know something? Some of you grew up in church, and that's better not growing up in church. But you got baptized and rededicated, and then baptized again, and then rededicated twice, and then you got to be an adult, you got baptized again, and then you rededicated something else, and come on. Then you switch churches for one a little more dem, uh, demanding, and tried to meet all those demands. And then you switch churches for one a little more loving, and you just tried to love God. And you know what? You just by the time all that was done, you you just came to the realization: this didn't get me anywhere. I'm as guilty when I go to bed after going to church as I was without going. I'm as guilty after I read the Bible as I was without reading the Bible. What can wash away my sins? And one day you just quit trying to obey 5,000 commandments you couldn't keep and obeyed one. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I don't lie, I can't lie. My sacrifice was acceptable to God. My priestly ministry continues to be acceptable to God. And if you'll come and trust me, the sacrifice that I offered for you is everlasting. And the life that I will give you is everlasting. And the peace I can put in your heart is everlasting. And there he sits, at the right hand of the Father, having put religion out of business, and for some reason people just won't receive that good news. They keep trying by religion to prove they're good enough to go to heaven. I gave up on it a long time ago. Amen. I'm trusting the one that's already in heaven. Amen. I came to him. He said, all right, give me your hand. And once, once I gave him my hand, he didn't say, hold on. He took hold. Yes. He took hold. Look, Caleb told me he's a blessing. He likes to wrestle and fight and... Sometimes he's a dinosaur and sometimes he's a dragon. I don't know what all he is. But if you just get a hold of his wrist, he's done. He can try to get away. He's not going to get away. He can try to fight back. He's not going to fight back. He's just just a little fella, and you got him. He's not going anywhere until I decide to let him go. He can have all kinds of ideas and all kinds of intentions and he can think up his next plot, but it's not going to work. I'm not letting him go. And I just gotta be honest with you, in the years since I've gotten saved, I've kicked a little and squirmed a little, and every now and then this old flesh will come up with an idea, and the Lord just He just sits there at the throne, just got me by the wrist. I can squirm all I want, I'm not going anywhere. You can kick, you can twist, you can jump up and down, you can make faces, you can shake your other fist at God, but He's not letting go. I'm your priest forever. (laughs) I gave you a promise. I'm not turning you loose. And it's such a blessing to know that we don't have Jesus the second and Jesus the third and Jesus the 24th because the one priest sat down forever. What a blessing. So, Let's finish up with chapter 4. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse number 14. (coughs) Seeing then that we have a great high priest, do you have one? That is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. See, I don't hold on to him. I just gotta, all I, what I've got to hold on to is my testimony. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. In time of need. Now look at this. He's there when I'm tempted. He's there when I need mercy. He's there when I need grace. But I will never again have to come to Him when I need salvation. He saved me. Now, now, He ministers to me. Never again will he save me. A million times will he be merciful. A million times will he be gracious. A million times will he help with temptation. But never again will he need to save me. See the difference? In those priests and this priest, in that sacrifice and this sacrifice, The blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. But the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Forgive me if I don't show the respect this world requests for the religions of men. They are deception at best and a damnation at worst. Telling poor, sincere people to try again. We'll try again. We'll try again. We'll try harder. And never sending them away with any assurance of life everlasting. But we have a great high priest who gives to us everlasting life. Hallelujah. Hope you know him. Hope you're trusting him this morning. Our Father...